What a powerful testimony about holding on to God and trusting Him. So beautiful. Well, happy Mother's Day, moms, for all of you watching. And I have the privilege today of tag team preaching with two incredible moms. Anita is from our Kanata campus, and Pastor Ingrid is a campus pastor in Cornwall. And we understand that Mother's Day is a day of celebration for some of you, but some of you watching, it's a day of great pain and heartache. And so today we want to talk about how do we trust and hold on to God when outcome or circumstances are not what we would expect them to be? What do we do when our great expectations are not met? In no way are we experts in the complexities of disappointment, suffering, and pain. As we start this conversation together, there's a powerful message collectively we want to share, and it's this. God's will and plan works through broken people, through broken circumstances, to bring hope to a lost and broken world. I saw this illustration and thought it would be perfect for today. We have a heart box and we start this when we're young and we fill this heart box with all the things that mean the most to us, our hopes and our dreams and desires. And we begin to dream about what our lives could look like. And in this box, perhaps you have getting married, starting a family, perhaps buying a cottage, even buying a home. We also value highly financial security and perhaps even really important to all of us is our health. And we have our heart box and we fill this heart box up with all the things that matter most to us. And we carry this heart box along with us. And then we get saved. And we say to God, God, I now belong to you. And all that's in my heart is yours. So here's my heart box. Make it happen. Now we laugh and it sounds ridiculous, but this is what we do. But what happens when in our box comes pain and suffering and heartache? What if you're unable to find a life partner or start a family? What if there's a marriage or financial or health crisis? What if, if there is a loss of a loved one? What do we do when hardship and suffering and pain come into our heart box? When expectations do not meet reality, disappointment rises, and we can easily place the blame on God. So why does God allow circumstances that cause pain and suffering? And the key word here is allow. And there's a beautiful quote I want to use today from Casper Temboom. And this is Corey Temboom's father from the book The Hiding Place, which is a brilliant biography from World War II. And it says this, Do you know what hurts so very much? It's love. Love is the strongest force in the world, and when it is blocked, that means pain. And there are two things we can do when this happens. We can kill the love so it stops hurting, but of course, part of us dies too. Or we can ask God to open up another route for that love to travel. We have the choice in these moments, in hardship, to allow another route of love, God's love, to travel. And I have learned that I can allow pain and disappointment to set me down a route of resentment and bitterness. I can also allow pain and disappointment to set me on a route to trust and put my faith in God to overcome. We need to make this exchange moment by moment, decision by decision, to give to God all of our pain, suffering, hardship, and disappointments. 
so he can do the work that only he can do in the supernatural place in our heart. I would like to share a story from the Bible, from John chapter 11, and this is a story of Lazarus. And we pick up this chapter with Mary and Martha sending word to Jesus that their brother, Jesus' friend, is sick. And I can imagine the expectations the sisters had in what Jesus was going to do. I am sure it was a great expectation, for they had seen him heal many that were sick, cast out demons. They'd also seen him raise people from the dead. And he had even spoken words of healing over people that were healed in other cities. Surely, Jesus is going to come and heal Lazarus. And Jesus can even just speak the words and Lazarus will be made well. They were his friends. They were his devoted followers. They were sure that Jesus was going to immediately move on their behalf. When the news reaches Jesus, he gives a prophetic statement of what he's about to do. And the verse following is critical. It says this in John eleven five. 5. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Let me read that again. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. This is not the response we would have expected, and certainly not the response the sisters would have expected. But the Bible makes sure to tell us first and foremost that Jesus loved them. His delay had nothing to do with his love for them. He loved them deeply. But Jesus does not immediately go to them, and Jesus does not immediately fulfill his prophecy. He stays where he is instead of coming to their rescue. Now Lazarus dies, and the family is thrown into immense grief and suffering. And Jesus allows them to suffer, for he knows that in his delay, Lazarus will die, and Lazarus does die. He could have gone, he could have spoken the word, and Lazarus would have been made well. And he could have rescued them from their pain and suffering, but he does not. He delays his arrival, for Jesus has a greater purpose. When Jesus arrives at Bethany, Lazarus has now been dead for four days. And it says that as he arrives, Martha runs down the road to meet him. And we can hear the desperation and the emotion in this passage in 21-22 when it says, about Martha speaking to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. What a powerful moment. Martha is filled with pain, and I can't even imagine what those four days have been like. She's not only lost her beloved brother, But inside, the grief and the turmoil is stirring within her as she has these questions about Jesus. Where was he? Why did he not come? Why did he not heal Lazarus and answer the call? Does he not love us? Does he not care? Where was her Lord? After all, they were her followers, his followers. They had followed him. They've given everything to follow him. Surely he would want to look after them. Where was Jesus? And we see this emotion as she cries out, Lord, if only you had been here. How many times do we cry out those same words? Lord, if only you would have been here. Lord, if only you have stopped this. Lord, if only. 
Martha pours out her heart to Jesus and all the disappointment and pain come rushing out. But then she says these three profound words. But even now. What powerful faith-filled words. But even now. Martha recognizes that in her darkest hour, nothing is impossible for Jesus. In this moment, she places her Messiah and her faith in him above her circumstance and pain. For Lazarus is dead. And we know the end of the story, but Martha does not know that Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. But in her deepest pain, she says these great faith-filled words, but even now. And her spirit is filled with hope and belief. Why? Because Jesus is with her. We read on to see that Mary stayed in the house. And I read the scripture, I wonder, where was Mary? Martha ran out to meet Jesus, and why didn't Mary join her? Was she overwhelmed? Was she paralyzed in grief that she couldn't leave the house, not even take one step, one step further to meet Jesus? Was she in a state of disbelief? Was she in deep resentment? Was she feeling abandoned, unable to see a glimmer of hope? Well, we don't know the extent of why Mary stayed in the house, but we do know this. It tells us in the scripture that Jesus calls for her. Jesus saw her right where she was and calls her to come to him. We read this in John eleven twenty eight. Then she, Martha, returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. Mary immediately went to him. We then see such a tender moment as Jesus walks towards the tomb of his precious friend and follower, Lazarus, and Jesus weeps. He weeps in this moment as he fully feels the pain of seeing his loved ones suffer. And we can also see this in the character of God as God is grieved by the terrible sorrow and anguish that death and pain and sin has brought into the human world that he so lovingly created. Jesus weeps with us in our moments of deep disappointment, loss, and suffering and pain. We then read about the tomb. Jesus goes to the tomb and Lazarus has been dead for four days. It was over. Death had prevailed. How many dreams have died within you? And perhaps you watching today, you feel like your spirit is dying. You don't feel the love and hope and life cursing through your veins. I want you to know there is hope. Jesus is on the move. Jesus walks to the tomb, instructs for the stone and the obstacle to be removed, and he calls with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus hears his Messiah's voice, and immediately he comes out of the tomb, out of the, and Jesus instructs for his death cloths to be unbound. Wow, what an amazing moment of resurrection that I think it's its own message in the future. But today, I want to close by asking you, you may be like Martha. You may be running out to meet him and to surrender all to him. And know that his presence today will fill you with renewed strength and faith. Jesus is meeting you on the road. Today, like Mary, you may be the one in the house. You may be paralyzed by your circumstance and unable to move forward and you feel stuck. Jesus is calling you to come. And today, like Lazarus, you may find yourself in a tomb of darkness and perhaps death has settled into your spirit. 
Jesus is calling you and your spirit to life. For his perfect kingdom is a kingdom that will come to be established here on earth to rule and reign once and for all forever. And we read about this in Revelation 21, 4. It says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, or pain. All these things will be gone forever. But until this day, until He makes all things new, hold fast. Keep trusting. Place your faith in God, for nothing is impossible for Him. And know that He loves you. Our suffering and pain is not a reflection of his lack of love. If we could read the end of our stories, we would see that God has a beautiful end in store for he has promised that he will work all things together for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And I'm so thankful that God didn't just include the highlights in the Bible, but he included all the sorrow, all the suffering, all the waiting, all the hardships and disappointments to show us that he is always working out a plan of redemption and hope. Proverbs 23, 18 says, For surely there is an end, and your expectation will not be cut off. Our expectation is in him. So we can, like the examples in the Bible, like Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, choose in our darkest moments to come, to respond to his voice and to surrender and emerge as shining lights for his kingdom. I want to now invite Anita to come and to continue this conversation. Exactly, Pastor Rhonda. As you mentioned, God did not just show us victories in the Bible. He showed us losses, pain, suffering, and long waiting periods. But we just failed to see that. When I became a Christian as a teenager, I was told that I have no struggles in life. And I had this great expectation of a fairy tale or a perfect life. And many of us accept Christ just for the same reason. Recently, I read that accepting Christ is like having a fire insurance. That's why we were all in for a big surprise when the pandemic hit. As Christians, we didn't have answers when we saw our families, our friends, our communities, our cities, the entire world go through pain. Many of us immediately went through depression, anxiety, and loneliness as we didn't know what it was to live by seeking God's face and not his hands. As I was looking for answers in the Bible, I was surprised when I saw the pain and suffering God's people went through. In Hebrews 11, the chapter known as a hall of faith, we see a remarkable list of men and women, and we talk about only their victories in life and we fail to see the pain that they went through. If we see the life of Abraham, the father of nations, friend of God, we see that he waited 25 years for the fulfillment of God's promise. And then he was asked to offer his own son as a burnt offering. The Bible says he reached out his hand and took a knife to slaughter his own son. Imagine his pain. 
Joseph, the man with the colorful coats, the prime minister of Egypt, was thrown into the pit by his own brothers. He was then sold as a slave for 20 shekels of silver. He worked for a crazy lady for three years. And he was left in the prison for 10 years. Imagine his pain. Moses, the man who spoke to God face to face like a friend, was not even allowed by God to enter the promised land. Imagine his pain. King David, the man after God's own heart, waited 22 years to become king. Daniel was taken captive by the Babylonians. His friends were thrown into the fire. He was thrown into the lion's den for one whole night. Imagine his pain. Jeremiah wept for his nation and was called the weeping prophet. Ezekiel was asked by God to not even mourn the death of his wife. Job lost seven sons and three daughters on the same day. Imagine his pain. The list goes on, but the biggest emblem of suffering is Jesus Christ. He was the most innocent man that walked on the face of earth, but he was crucified for us. He was in so much pain in the garden that his sweat became drops of blood. He was betrayed, mocked, denied, crowned with thorns, and nailed to the cross. He hung on the cross for about six hours. Even Passion of the Christ or other Jesus movies cannot show us the agony that Jesus went through. I know that we all have our own sufferings, but believe me, it's never wasted as God is changing all our stories into testimonies. I have my own story, my own pain and struggles, and God has been with me in every step. I'm a single mom with three children. When I moved to Canada from India with my three kids, they were only nine years, seven, and a seven-month-old baby. We came with very few clothes and very little money in our pockets. We had to leave everything behind us because of my abusive husband. He was initially a businessman and an evangelist, but when he fell into adultery, he decided to get rid of the children and me. In my own house, I was allowed to only sleep on the floor. My internet was disconnected. My phone, my cash, my credit cards, they were all taken away, and I was kept a prisoner in my own house. It didn't matter if it was huge items or books or even slippers. If he found it, he would hit me with it. Finally, when it became a life or death situation, I brought my children and came to Canada. Ever since we moved to Canada, God has been a father to my children and he has protected us. Our path has not been easy, but God has been with us in the midst of many storms. Sometimes I wish that God will just take away all my pain, my scars, my struggles. Some, and I even call my mom sometimes and I tell her, Mom, why did God give Paul a thorn and he gave me a boulder? It just crushes me every time. 
And my mom in her sweet voice always says, that's because God loves you more and he has a greater purpose for you. I know many of you are feeling crushed and weak today. You probably have a pain or a scar that you're not able to get rid of. We have learned to hide them very well. We live in a culture that hides their scars. People are ashamed of their scars. We do surgeries in our tummies and our faces, our lips, our hands, our legs, because we want to hide our scars, because we are ashamed of it. But when Jesus walked into the locked room, which was filled with the disciples, he came and he showed his wounds. He showed his scars to his disciples. You know, the disciples were so scared. Sometimes I just wish that God came in his glory and probably had his two angels standing beside him and with flapping their wings. That would have really freaked them out. But Jesus came and showed his scars. That's because he wanted to identify with your pains and suffering and struggles and scars. You are probably carrying an emotional or a physical scar today and not sure why this is happening to you or not sure where God is. And you're asking questions like Job did. We see that in his suffering, Job said, I go east, but he's not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. But he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. With all our scars, we're coming out as pure as gold. Pastor Ingrid, I can only imagine that God has a book, just like in Hebrews Hebrews 11, he has a bigger list with all our names written in the Hall of Faith. How wonderful that will be. Wow, what a powerful testimony, Anita. Thank you for sharing so openly uh, and vulnerably about how your life has been and how God has used your life in such a redemptive way. Isn't it so true that each one of us can look at these people in this hall of faith and uh, get our inspiration and see them as these amazing people, but we forget that they are normal like you and I. They came to this life with their box, like Pastor Rhonda explained, full of expectations and hopes, full of dreams, full of ways they thought life would go. All of them experienced great loss, jarring realities, betrayal, hurt, disappointment, overwhelming circumstances. What made them the people that we look up to is actually their faith and trust in God, much like Anita chose to do, put her faith and trust in God. They chose to trade all of the things that they came to God with, all the hopes, all the disappointments, all the hurts, and give it to him for something that is 
bigger, more fulfilling, more long-lasting than anything they could put their hope in before or dream up. God's plans incorporate the loss, the disappointment, the hurt, the bad decisions into a story of redemption that he is writing, one that is bigger than one life, but sees every life and uses it intentionally. Our lives can be just the same. Your life can be just the same. We are not limited to this story that we have written. We're not limited to the things that we put in this box, marriage or babies or disappointments, maybe the things that come into that box after. We're not limited to pains and sufferings, but rather we actually have a potential to be an outpouring of the greatest hope ever known. Our lives... Um, this happens in our lives when we take this box and we hand it over to God and we allow him to fill it and use it however he wishes, putting our full hope and trust in him as our author and finisher of our faith. Romans 12, 1 to 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily traps us. Let us run with endurance the, go- the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes set on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Just as Anita talked about earlier, Jesus knows our pain and suffering. He wants us to hand over the things that are holding us back, strip off the things that cause us to hold back from him, cause us to recoil in pain. You know, the other day I was sitting with God and he, he was just ministering to me. And it was a moment where I was, I was feeling the weight, the weight of disappointment, the weight of my own lack and sin, the weight of, of the sinfulness around me, and these, these things that weigh us down. And as I sat there, I saw a picture of a jar of clay. This jar was just a regular old jar of clay, like you maybe see in movies or whatever. And actually, it was extremely imperfect. It was full of cracks. It had missing pieces. Some of them were right at the bottom. And I was thinking, man, this jar is useless because anything you put into it would fall out. Don't we sometimes feel like that jar of clay? You know, life batters us. It bumps us around. It it leaves with cracks and missing pieces. And no matter what we put into that, no matter what hopes or dreams we try to put back in as life goes along, no matter how much self-love or care from somebody else, no matter how much exercise or healthy living we put into it, you know, it it just pours out the bottom because we're so, we're feeling so broken. And, you know, I think that anything we try to put in, even if it feels a little satisfying in the moment, it ends up that we feel depleted, and broken again. There's a story in the Bible about a woman, and it's found in John chapter 4. And this woman is the woman from uh, the Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well. Now, I, I can imagine that the expectation that she went into life with was definitely not what she was living in that moment. You know, I, I think that um, having five husbands, living with somebody else, and all the rejection she was constantly under, the shame she was living under, was not what she expected to be living at that point in her life. This, though, is when Jesus met her. This is when he came and met with her in that moment in her life. And he didn't ignore the pain and suffering. He didn't just like brush over it or, or slide it under the rug or pretend it, didn't, it wasn't there. Rather, he confronted it right there. 
And actually the fact that she was at the well when she was in that moment, in the heat of the day, highlighted her pain and suffering, highlighted her shame. And it was in that moment of being at the well that he met her. When every other woman normally went in the cool of the day, she was there at the hottest part. And why was she there? Because all those women rejected her because of the shame of her life. And yet that's where Jesus met her in that moment. And I can imagine the pain of her walking to that well every day in the heat of the day. You know, it would be highlighted to her the bitterness of her life would be highlighted to her in that moment. And that is where Jesus met her in the height of her pain and bitterness and disappointment. It was there that he offered her living water. It was there that he gave her hope beyond the circumstances and experiences that she had. It was there that he empowered her to actually use her pain to bring hope to others. It was out of her pain and disappointment and suffering that Jesus fully redeemed her story and she actually went back into the city where she came from. And you know what she was crying out to the people? She was saying, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. She didn't say, come and see the man who took away all the pain and suffering. She didn't say, come and see the man who is the Messiah. No, she said, I know you all know what I've all done. Come and see the man who told me what I did. She used her pain to give God glory. Her story displayed Jesus' glory. She chose to let Jesus do that. Now this takes me back to the picture of this clay jar. As I looked at it and I thought of how useless it was, I was reminded of the scripture in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure so that, no, so that this immeasurable power will be seen as God's, not ours. Not only do we bring a box with us in our life, we are that box. We are a simple jar of clay. And we can choose, I can choose, to keep trying to fill this jar of clay, trying to meet the expectations and hopes that I have, trying to deal with all the pain myself. Or I can choose to let Jesus fill it with living water. I can choose to let Jesus come in and offer redemption where I have lack and pain and suffering. Trying to keep my jar full is actually an endless, fruitless task. But allowing Jesus to meet me in my weakness, disappointment and hurt means I will never thirst again. This is something he offers to each one of us. It's not just here and there. He offers this living water, this redemption, this salvation for each of us. He offers to rescue us. Even in the midst of our struggle, God can and will, he promises that he will, pour out his living water into us. And you know the amazing part is? The cracks, the broken places, the places where there's holes, those are the places that then he pours living water into other people's lives. Those are the places he redeems from pain and suffering. And if we allow him, he will take those and allow his living water to be poured into other people, his hope, his redemption, his salvation. Just like Anita shared with us today, she shared from her place of brokenness. She shared from a place of pain, but she didn't just say, I have pain. She said, look at what Jesus did for me today. 
Look, he, he saw all of this in my life and he came and he called me out of it and he gave me hope and he poured in living water. And that is the message we are trying to tell you today is that Jesus redeems every single time we give him our jar. He fills it. When there is no longer, like when we no longer hold on to the ownership of that pain or that suffering or that hope or that dream, he can come in and take it and fill it with living water. And as living water pours out of those holes, you know, it's not like we end up empty, like all those things we try to put in that fall out and have an end. He says it's an endless stream of living water. We will never be thirsty again. We will never be dry again when we choose to put our hope and our faith and our trust in God. Never. He will always keep pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. It never stops. We are conduits to, to bring this treasure to others. We don't get to hold this treasure to ourselves. It's not that he pours in and then just stops once we're full. No, or for us to get fatter, you know, if we have no holes, which I don't think there's any of us that have no holes, you know, but no, he meant for us to be conduits, to overflow with his grace and mercy, with his salvation, with his hope, and to allow from those broken places for his hope and everything to pour out into other people's lives. If we focus on the holes and the cracks, if we focus on the loss and we lose sight of the treasure that he's putting into us, we will end up feeling lost and broken. But if we focus on the fact that our identity and acceptance and healing and redemption is in Christ, if we hold on to finding joy in allowing God to redeem us and redeem our broken places, then we find fulfillment. We find that satisfaction. We find that we don't thirst again. I encourage you today where you feel broken, unworthy, cracked, weary, or have great loss, allow God to pour in his Holy Spirit. Allow him to pour in his purpose and identity. He loves us and sees purpose and beauty and redemption where we see holes and loss and brokenness. So my question to you is this, where in your life do you need living water? Where do you feel loss? or brokenness, or anguish? Where do you need Jesus to bring his Holy Spirit, his redemption, his salvation to places in your life? Your jar, no matter how broken, it is not, um, it is not useless. Because you know why? It is not your responsibility to fill it. It is Jesus' responsibility to fill it. Your responsibility is to bring it to him and say, use this however you wish. Take these broken pieces, take this cracked jar, pour in and pour out whatever you choose. And so this, this morning, as we come to a close, as we wrap up this, this whole conversation, I hope that you hear our heart that yes, we suffer brokenness, we struggle, we, we may have expectations that we haven't seen yet or we're hoping to see. Maybe some of them have come true, but all of this needs to be brought to Christ. And all of, us needs, all of it needs to be allowed to be used by him for his glory, like the woman at the well did, like Anita has. You know, let's take our lives before him. So how about we pray together and just reflect and see what it is that the Lord puts on our hearts to bring to him. Father God, we bring our lives before you. 
Lord, each one of us has some sort of brokenness or pain, expectations or hopes, things that we've put into our life that some of them maybe we're still waiting on. Some of them we've seen come true, but some of them come with great loss and pain. So Lord, I pray that just as when you met Mary and Martha and Lazarus, as they came to you as they were, as you met them as they were, as the woman is the, at the well, as she met you and you spoke to her where she was at, God, we come as we are. And we ask you to meet us where we are in, in whatever it is that we're dealing with and wrestling through. And we bring our jars to you and we say, God, fill them with your redemption. Give us a picture of how to live with these things submitted to you allowing you to pour in healing and hope where we feel loss and suffering. God, I pray over these next days and weeks that you will start to speak to each one of us, bring healing and hope. Lord, soothe where there's pain, but also show us how to allow your Holy Spirit to pour out of those places. Show us how to let those places be used for hope for others. God, show us what it is that you want to do with our cracked, broken jars, with our lives. We need you, Holy Spirit. We depend on you. We appreciate and thank you for the sacrifices that you made and how you meet us in our wrestle. You don't wait for us to be all fixed up. You are so good, Jesus. Holy Spirit, minister to your people today, wherever they are, whatever they face. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you go through the rest of your day and your week, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will just minister to those places, wherever it is, that maybe maybe it's not something huge, maybe it's, it's just a little thing, but maybe it's something bigger. I pray that the Holy Spirit ministers to you and shows you how to use this jar that you have that is your life for His glory.